Coaching Cole Show. I am the coach, Nick Olson. And as always, I'm here with the co-host of the show, Cole. How's it going, Cole? Good. Just got off work. Just got off work. And you know what, Cole? As crazy as it sounds, we have already... We are closing in on, I should say. We are closing in on our 30th episode ever. That does sound crazy. It does. I mean, time flies when you're having fun, and that's that's what we do here on the Coach Cole Show. We have fun. And, mm-hmm. yeah, of course. And because of that, we've decided to throw together kind of a cool episode. So not only are you going to get a regular episode this week, you're going to get this episode that you're listening to right now, which just so happens to be our best moments from our first 30 episodes. What do you think of that, Cole? I hate the idea, but I'll go along with it. Uh, So we got some of our better moments of the interviews. We got some good segments, just bits and pieces of of all these shows. Maybe some shows didn't have any. Maybe Maybe one show wasn't even good enough to get on here, but we have a lot of good stuff jam-packed into this episode, best of episode that we got going on. Yep, exactly. So sit back, buckle your seatbelts. If you're in the car. Yeah, if you're in your car, make sure you're buckled up. Click it or ticket, that's the whole thing right now. Either way, you should buckle up anyways. I mean, every time I get in the car with you, you're like, buckle up, buckle up. Safety first. Yeah, safety first. Because, you know, I'll admit sometimes, like, especially when I'm not driving – Sometimes I just get in and like you're thinking about stuff and you don't you don't buckle up right away, but we'll get like a block down the road and you're like, Buck, are you buckled up? Are you buckled? <laughs> you know what I do no. when I what? get in the car? First thing I think of is safety. That's the only thing I think of. Well, take that for data. That's that's good. I mean, that's that's yeah. how it should be. Yeah, we're getting off track because people don't want to talk listen to us talk about buckling our seatbelts. But what I was getting at here was buckle your seatbelts up. You're in for the greatest audio ride of your life in the next uh, hour and a half, something like that. Take a trip through the world of the Coach and Cole show. I hope you enjoy it. That sounds fun. It does. Can't wait. Me neither. Enjoy. Coach and Cole show. Best of. 30th episode. If somebody were to ask you just how good your dad was, you know, how would you go about explaining that? Well, it's a very good question. Um, I, I guess first of all, um, that was my father's life. Um, he he uh, he loved practice, and uh, as a as a consequence, uh, uh, in my eyes, became the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, he devoted his life and, and uh, to that sport. Um, he he worked his his tail off and, and he wasn't a big man by by any imagination he's 195 um 6 foot 1 um very very strong character um loved the game of football um since since he was a child and um you know grew up in a in a area of Pittsburgh that was rough and tough and and um as he was um and uh you know, he <clears throat> played at a school called St. Justin's, which is a Catholic high school in a B division in western Pennsylvania. Um, and then, of course, wasn't really recognized uh, from that school to 
scholarships to college, so he ended up uh, um, working his tail off and, and got into the University of Louisville, and um, you know went down there and, and, and did his thing down there, and, and uh, with a program that was you know it's not like it was a Notre Dame, although that's where my father wanted to go, um, but um, uh, he was just uh, he was just a skinny guy, <laughs> and they thought they would they would they would cream him and get he would get hurt at Notre Dame in that division and, and so forth. So. Um, you know, my father really worked at his craft. Um, he, he knew the game uh, inside and out. Uh, he, he always called his plays. Um, he worked with his players around him, the Jimmy Orr's, the John Mackey's, the Raymond Berry's, and, and the like. And, and uh, you know, you've got, you got to look at football in, in two, two ways, in, in a sense. You look at the Tom Brady era, and you look at my father's era. Um, they're just two different animals. You know, you... you People try to compare. You just can't, I don't think. Um, yeah, Tom's a great quarterback. I, I wish the Falcons would have won, though, by the way, um, just so you know. Matt Ryan, Matt, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan was, Matt Ryan was uh, you know, one of my Golden Arm winners. He was the Golden Arm winner in 2007, so I always pull for my guys. But anyhow, needless to say, um, that's, that's another story to itself. But, but, again, getting back to my father, I, I just say my father was, was worked at his craft. He was dedicated to his craft. Um, he, 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 you know, um, practice with his players, not only during practice, but but outside of practice. You know, uh, you know, before they, you know, everybody went home for dinner. My father was still out on the field with Raymond and and John Mackey and some of the you know running backs and so forth, just running their plays. And so as a result, they were they were very good at what they did, and they knew ex- exactly the tendencies of each other. So they, you know, my father knew, for example, if Weeb Eubank would have sent a play into the huddle, and my father and and Raymond didn't work on it. Which was very rare. Um, Raymond, my father would call the play, and Raymond would say, "John, we're not going to run that play because we haven't worked on it." And, and my father just called another play in the huddle. You know, of course, got his hand, <laughs> head handed to him when he got off out, out of the sidelines. You know, we were saying, "Why didn't you call that play?" Cause, well, because Raymond didn't feel comfortable. He didn't work on it, and so we didn't call. He says, "Okay, no problem." You know, and that's how they did it back then. <laughs> but but today, try to try to do that today. You know, because none of these guys call their own plays. You know, uh, for the most part. Um, but. But Dad, you know, every Tuesday or Monday after the game, he'd be down there looking at film for the next upcoming opponent. And as a child, we grew up down in the basement with my father watching film. We'd sit on his lap, and the projector, 16-millimeter projector, um, had, a, had a forward and a reverse button, no stop. So it would be forward, reverse. So I'd just sit there with my father's lap. He'd take his notes, his playbook in front of him, and he goes, forward. I'd run it forward, and he says, stop. He'd go reverse, and back and forth. All you know for hours on end. This was after dinner every every night. So, so these guys oh, really wow. worked at their craft, and and so it's just a different era. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not going to say my father was tougher than than anybody else, but he had a high threshold of, of pain. Um, you know, they wore suspension helmets. The equipment wasn't even, it's not even close to what it is today. Um, and and these guys got their butts handed to them every time. They didn't protect the quarterback back then. <laughs> so, so um, right, and dad right. lasted say, 18 years in the league and. Multiple injuries, of course, but um, you know he played. He played, and they, and they loved it. For for example, but a lot of the other guys, you know, would smoke cigarettes and drink beers, and you know, you go to, to the, you know, as a kid, you just running around these rooms and seeing everything. You have Playboys in the in the room, you know. And I grew up really quick <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> but um, you know, they're smoking cigarette camel non filters, you know, and 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 they go play football. And if they had an ingrown toenail or a busted up arm, they still play. Not not like today. It's just not like today at all. But I would tell you as well, the food back then, if you can imagine growing up in the in the 60s, 
you know, you had cream spinach, you know, all the cold cuts, mortadella, salami sandwich. This, this is this is what they ate. <laughs> These guys ate. So the nutrition <laughs> factor was was absolutely horrible. You wonder why they they, 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 they even lasted till sixty nine years old, you know, with all the crap they right. ate. But it, yeah, it's just it's just totally different. You know, it's a totally different atmosphere. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Really you, you kind of mentioned a, a, about, uh, you know, how your, your father wanted to go to Notre Dame. He ended up at Louisville. And a lot of people don't know that he was actually drafted by Pittsburgh and was let go. Do you think Correct. that, you know, the fact that he wanted to go to Notre Dame, ended up at Louisville, was drafted in the NFL, his, his dream, but was ended up let go? Do you think that that gave him a little bit of a chip on his shoulder? Uh. You know, I don't. I don't really think so. I mean, Dad really never carried a chip on his shoulder at all. He just loved it. He, he was just. He was all about reality. And the the story behind that is, is he got drafted in the ninth round by Pittsburgh. He goes to camp, and and there's four quarterbacks there. There's Jimmy Finks, there's Vic Eaton, um, and uh, Ted Marchabroda, and my father. Okay, and my father just didn't get an opportunity to play. You know, but there's all the three guys. Those other guys had proven themselves. You know, here my father comes from a small little college in Louisville, Kentucky, and but he didn't get an opportunity to play. Now, as a result of that, they cut him. And and there's a story, and I and I cover this in my book, that that you know my father was given ten dollars, the cut and given ten dollars, and my father hitchhiked home, and he used the ten dollars to buy my mother Dorothy popsicles because she loved popsicles. And so when <laughs> she got he he got home, he had the popsicles for her and everything else. And and my my father says, ah, that's that's I'm not worried about it. I'm just going to go bowling and everything like this. And and so, so my fa- my mother says, no, you're not. You're going to stick this out. My mother was strong, man. She was she was the rock. Uh, and uh, so she she made she made my father continue to pursue his career when he said, no, nah, just go drive a truck or everything. So when he got a, when she got a call, and again I cover this in my book, she got a call from Don Kellett when George Shaw got hurt for the Colts, and uh, so they they want to pick up my father and so they called my mother was home and she took the call and said yep john will be there you know just you know whatever so send the contract well nobody knows this but my mother was the my mother was the one that signed the contract for my father (laughs) oh wow so it's so from that point on my father was there you know no more bowling you know my mother made him stick it out and his love for the game and that's what it was you know that's how it was back then bench blah 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 and i said okay so Billy Ray Smith would come out, and I'm not kidding you. He would be foaming at the mouth. This is how he got up for the game. He, I'm literally, I'm not kidding you. This <laughs> stuff come out of his face. He, he was so scary, okay? Like, I, I was frightened to death. I, I, I moved all the way to the other end of the bench, and when he would come down, I'd go to the other side. You know? so I, I didn't want him to be close to him because I didn't know what the hell was going to happen. But that's, that's how that guy, that, those guys were. You know, they just got up for the game, and they played. It didn't matter if they had a busted foot or arm or something. They still played through it. I mean, if you remember, Gino Marchetti played through the 58 championship game with the busted up leg. Yeah. And then they carted him off. Yeah. So, so there's, again, these guys were tough. My father especially. You know, my father, as I think I've mentioned to you before, had a high threshold of pain. You know, he, he played with punctured lungs in the 59 championship game. So, you know, and, and again, had a vest on underneath. Um, and, and, wow. and, and, you know, and you look at Super Bowl three, um, they should have won. Um, had they put my father in sooner, um, they would have won. <laughs> but there's a long story to that as well with my father's arm. Um, so, and and again, you know, these guys were just rough and tough. Um, I remember I managed my father later in his life. 
we went to card shows a lot. And um, one of the card shows we were at was, um, I don't know if you remember, um, Doug Atkins played for the Chicago Bears. And this, this okay, he was yep, a defensive yep. lineman. Do you remember Doug? Anyway, well, Doug is like yeah. six seven. I mean, he's just a huge individual, okay? <clears throat> and I never met him before. And so we're in this limousine being, you know, taken to a to a card show, and Doug's in the car. And literally his knees, he's sitting in the chair, in the seat in the limousine, literally his knees are up by his head. That's how big he is. I mean, the size of his thighs were like <laughs> twice the mine, okay? Well, he tells a story. He told me a story. He says, Junior, he says, the toughest man I ever played against was your father. And I said, I'll tell you why. He says, we were playing a game, and the Colts were playing in Chicago. And, and uh, you know, Doug Atkins could jump over linemen. That's how big he was. So he would just leap over people, okay, to get to the quarterback. And he says, there was one game when we were playing, and your father was back to throw, and one of my guys had him down below, and, and he was looking, still looking, standing up, holding the ball. And I mentioned, I said, hold that son of a bitch up till I get there. That was Doug Atkins telling my father <laughs> so, so my father. So, so my father hears him, and my father is just oblivious. He's just focusing on what he's doing. And so my father releases the ball, completes the pass, and then, of course, Doug comes right after my father, right at his head, and my father just ducks and, and goes over my, over my father's head. And my father stands up and says, oh, you missed. <laughs> so, so Doug's like, he said, he pissed me off so much, he said, I was trying to get him the rest of the game. <laughs> but that's how those guys were, you know. They would just taunt each other, too, you know. <laughs> um, so Shula says to my father, John, get ready to go in at halftime. My father, my father said, Shula, I'm always ready to play. You know, <laughs> I don't have to get up for a game. You know, I'm, I'm always up for the game. I'm here to, you know, whatever. So, so my father, thinking, okay, he's gonna, he's gonna get in at halftime. So halftime comes, comes in, goes back out, and so Shula comes back out at halftime and says, John, we're gonna give Earl another chance. So, they kept Shula or Earl Marl in for the second half until I don't know what's like six or seven minutes left in the game. And then they put my dad in, and they, my father takes him down for a touchdown. And over the years, when we did car shows, we would see some of the older, you know, Jets, Namath, and somebody, and and Don Maynard, and everybody. And they said, John, you know, they would tell me the story. He says, John, we're we're really glad that your father stayed out of that game because otherwise we would have lost. And I think, and I think it's true, and because dad dad knew what to do. Earl knew what to do too. But I think my father had that chemistry uh, with those other players that um, obviously took him down for a touchdown. Um, and um, I just think it would have been a different story had my father been put in a little earlier uh, at that game, and they probably would have won Super Bowl three. But that was a big. I think game. a lot that of people the, agree you know, with you. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've heard that over the years. I, I just think, you know, we, we're never going to know, right? But, but at the right. end of the day, it was a, it was a big AFC NFC. That was the, the, the changeover, you know. Um, so it was, it was a big game, and and, uh, and Namath had a good game. I mean, there was another game, so my father and him through 400 some yards passing against each other too so um but but again that that was just football back then so let me finish the story so later on in my father's life you know of course he finished playing with the Colts and then was thrown down in San Diego which was a complete mess um <laughs> it, it, it really was it was bad uh, but anyhow so my father retires um and Later on in, in his life, you know, he's doing things and signing and stuff. We starts losing feeling in his hand, his right hand. And they thought, well, maybe it's carpal tunnel. Well, make a long story short. Remember the injury that he had in Dallas in Super Bowl three. Well, what happened was is that after, you know, of course, with all this, you know, technology today, they they discovered that 
if you hold out your right hand, your right arm, and where your wrist is, okay, below your hand, there, there are two tendons that run down your arm, and they connect to your elbow, okay? Those two tendons, okay, were disconnected, and that was way back when in Super Bowl three of that year. Okay, it was 69, I guess. Wow. So, so, so well, as a result, my father, that was my father's problem with his right hand. It wasn't carpal tunnel. It was those two tendons that were just, just they, were, they weren't connected to his elbow. They actually emaciated within his muscles in his arm. So what they did was they took him into surgery, and they opened his arm up. And as they opened his arm up, his arm fell off, literally almost falling off. So they had to reconnect those two tendons uh, to his elbow and those bones there. Um, and and that was that was the problem back then. But he played all those years after that with those two tendons, you know, disconnected, which which is wow. amazing, frankly. That's so, crazy. yeah. But but that that, that was the that was the problem uh, with, with his arm, and he didn't have the the velocity or the zip, if you will, on the ball later in his career. And and uh, you know, he saw the writing on the wall. Although he still probably wanted to play. I think he retired when he was forty. But uh, but the San Diego mess was a complete debacle. Back to the kind of the LeBron James, Charles Barkley talk. But what we're going to talk about here is what Jerry Krause, former general manager of the Chicago Bulls, what Jerry Krause said on Michael Jordan. He was on Adrian uh, Wojcikowski's podcast, uh, radio show podcast. And he was asked a question on Michael Jordan and comparing it to the fact of LeBron James asking for other players. This is what Jerry Krause said on Michael Jordan. I'll say this about him, and I quote, he never came to me and asked for other players. He never came to me and asked me to draft a player. He never came to me to ask me to trade for a player. Never once did that happen. Part of it was he thought he was so darn good, he thought he could win without them. I'm sure of that. Michael was smart enough to understand the organization and he understood what we had to do as an organization. He never complained to me. Okay, cool. So based upon Jerry Krause's comments on Michael Jordan, make you think any less of LeBron James? Hell no. This is such revisionist history. The, this whole old era of basketball saying that it just drives me nuts. Like they, they, nobody was friends. They never. They, everyone did everything by themselves. They never took games off. That is such BS. It has been documented that MJ, he didn't want Horace Grant. He wanted them to draft uh, Johnny Dawkins. They didn't. They didn't draft him. He was upset about that. He wanted other players in free agency. Just because he didn't go to the press about it, doesn't mean it didn't happen. And the thing with free agency. It wasn't even a thing until 1988 where you could have unrestricted free agency. And at that point, you still had to have uh, be in the league for more than seven years, and you had to play through two contracts, so it's not like you could just sign some guy off their first contract. That, this is so stupid. It makes no – like this whole old era of basketball just talks about their era of basketball like it was the greatest thing to ever happen to the, to, to the world. 20, 30 years from now, guess what? Somebody's going to come along that's going to be better than LeBron. It's going to happen. There's better players now than there was back then. It's just the way things work. Athletes get bigger. They get stronger. They get faster. The game is going to get better. That's what happens. Sorry that 
we're better now than it was 20, 30 years ago. I, I just don't understand so this thought process. It, just, it pisses me off, obviously. What's up? So you would, so you're saying that, uh, let's say, a, a, a top uh, five from this era would beat a top mm-hmm. five from the Jordan era. Are you talking about like a game of one on one? I'm talking about a game, a, a game, an NBA basketball game. Now, here's what most people uh, that that think basketball was better 20 years ago. They think the game's soft. They think that uh, there's more fouls called now. They think that they don't let them them play. They don't let the athletes play, and they think that. Uh, for instance, the traveling rules are too too lax. They think that things aren't called on every player equally. They think that okay. uh, that's soft. Okay. So what's your uh, what's your what's your answer to that? Is the game soft now? Well, to take on the the superstar calls that I think you're just alluding to. Yeah. Superstars have always gotten calls. That's the point. Because you want to have the superstar be the superstar. MJ got calls all the time. MJ complained about calls. It's not like it's some new thing. It is ref differently. And take it up with the NBA officials. Take it up with the NBA, whoever like comes down with these rules. If you can get a foul call on someone because you, you flop, then flop. That's, it's going to be part of the game now. Don't call the flop then. If, if if that's the way you want it to be, the players are taking advantage of what the refs are going to be calling. That's just part of the game now. The game is still played the same. It's just refed slightly differently. You get a technical now for something you would have got a common foul for. You get a flagrant now for something you go to you would have got a common foul for. That's it. Just because I can't punch you in the face and get a common foul doesn't mean I'm soft, or doesn't mean that you're soft. It's just called slightly differently. Do you think LeBron James would survive if he played in the 80s? Oh, I don't know. I think a 6'9", 250, 260-pound forward could probably survive in the 80s. Just my opinion. One of the greatest athletes to ever play a sport. I think he'd probably be okay. But would you agree that he's soft? I think he plays the game he plays today. And if he played in the 80s, if him and MJ switched, MJ would be soft. Yeah. So Okay, so what you're saying is that the players play the way they play based upon the rules that they're given. Right. I mean, it's just it makes sense. If James Harden can go to the free throw line 15 times a game because he draws fouls and flops probably a little bit, then flop. Who cares? Get to the free throw line. Get points. Okay. All right. I see, I see where you're coming from. Um. Again, back to what we said, it's, it's, and what you mentioned when we started this conversation, uh, Michael Jordan may not have gone to the media about players on his team, but that doesn't mean that he didn't complain or didn't say anything to anyone, and we'll never know that. But what we do know is that LeBron James People came out and said it. Because he, because he, well, people came out and said it, but it's not the same because LeBron, we actually have video evidence of LeBron James saying this. So, there's, again, there's books I think we it. can both ag- I think we can both agree that 
they both probably did the same thing, but they did it different ways. Yeah, because it's the age that we're in now. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you were to switch MJ and Michael, I mean, well, they're the same person. If you were to switch MJ and LeBron and just change their birth dates, we'd be talking about, is MJ ever going to be better than, than LeBron? I don't think so. He's too soft. He complains too much. We'd be saying the same exact thing. Yeah. It's just a different era of basketball. It's just a different era of, of the world. Whose mom would win in a fight, LeBron's mom or MJ's mom? I don't know much about MJ's mom. I think you got to go with MJ's mom, even if you don't know her. I'm going to go with LeBron's mom then. <laughs> uh, the, the sport's most popular driver at this point says he will retire if he wins the championship this season. Um, I think he's got a good chance to win this Sunday. Uh, he did really well at the duels. He, he had a chance to win that race. He led for most of it, didn't get it done. Um, any chance you watch the Daytona this weekend, Cole? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> when you say that he's, he'll hang it up, is he, would he be hanging up his keys or his steering wheel? Uh, what would he be hanging up physically? All right. So there's a couple NFLers making headlines this past week. And one of them is Cincinnati Bengals, Chicago bear, former green Bay Packer, Cedric Benson and Cole. He got a DUI this week, not his first rodeo in trouble with the law. And he blamed football. Let me explain here a little bit. I would too. He's been retired since 2012 and you know, he he was a nice little player there for a little while. He was a pretty good, darn, darn good running back. He got pulled over, got himself a DUI, driving while intoxicated. And the New York Post reported that he refused a field sobriety test when an officer asked him to recite the alphabet. Benson stated he couldn't do that because he played eight years in the NFL. And according to the report, he also said he was unable to count. Yeah. He was unable to count past the number three. His speech was mumbled. His eyes were glassy. He was swaying around, couldn't walk in a straight line. He was booked into the county jail that night. And he blamed the fact that he played football, pulling the CTE card. Uh, Cole, is football to blame or is, is Cedric just an idiot? I think it might be both, but with the nothing will count past three. Well, I think with that is that he's never on the field past third down. So maybe he just doesn't know that there is a no, another number after that. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's a good possibility. Uh, uh. <laughs> but if, if you're playing in the NFL for even just a few years, you're going to get knocked in the head. So he probably has some sort of concussion symptom. Uh, but if you're drunk driving, you're drunk driving. I mean – that's dangerous as, as shit, man. Like, that's not something that you can just brush off. But you can if you're an athlete. <laughs> well, you know, it's not his first go-around. He was cut in 2008 by the Bears. I think he had two, two alcohol-related arrests in a month back then. He was boating while intoxicated. Second time was for driving. Uh, 2010, he was arrested after punching a bartender in the face. In 11, he assaulted a Probably family member. It. And then in 2014, 
He he got in a fight with a woman in a cab. Um, so I mean, this guy's been in and out of trouble, and uh, and in, 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 I guess has trouble Seems uh, like staying away from fault. the booze. Got to be the NFL's fault. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Come on, man. I mean, I mean, pretty crazy. I I, I suppose uh, any way you can try to get out of it. Maybe he was thinking the fact that he 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 said he was a football player, and maybe he thought the the the, the police officer didn't would have uh, recognized them better that way. But I don't know. Cole, you had a couple questions for Gabby before. Uh, I I know she's got a busy schedule and she's got to run here pretty soon. But you wanted to ask her a few things. Yeah, uh, just a few questions. Um, a lot of people think that Sailor the, the Bear is a, is a real bear. Not a lot of people know that he's not. Um, <laughs> would you be able to speak? Do they? Do you talk about the kids? Because a lot of good info that you're giving the kids, kids are important. Do you talk to them about bear attacks at all? About bear attacks? <laughs> yeah. Is that what no, um, we don't. Usually when a, when a show ends, we'll – you know, kids will be like, you know, where's the bear going and all of that. And, and I'll have to start packing up all our equipment, you know, the microphone, the DJ equipment, because we do, mm-hmm. we do a little dance with the kids during the show. But I, you know, they'll be like, where's Daily go? And I'll be like, oh, you know, he went off in his limo. He's going back to Soldier Field. So, you know, we don't, we don't talk about all that. Okay. <laughs> they're just curious. Um, they're more, they're more curious to see who's in, who's in the suit. So, <laughs> so they, they know it's not a real bear? <laughs> the, yeah, some some the littler kids they'll ask a little bit is that a real bear and I'll be like yeah that's you know he's a Chicago I would bear too. <laughs> yeah I would too um, speaking of the Bears the actual football team I'm assuming you're a Bears fan yes okay so this scenario real quick this off season you got some cap room Bears pick up Jake Cutler Brandon Marshall and Martellus Bennett. And they pick up Alshon Jeffrey just to bring him back. What do you think would happen if you guys finally had some weapons for Jay Cutler? I I see. I I'm a Jay Cutler supporter. I definitely think that you know. Yeah, I definitely think that he he'll he just he needs you know what he had. What he had was Brandon Marshall and Martellus Bennett and you know Alshon Jeffrey when he was healthy. And I just think you know he needs something like that. And he can be their quarterback. They can depend on him. You know, we we went through a really really rough season, so I'm just. Do you hoping think he'll come back? I I really don't think they're they're gonna bring him back. To be honest, I I don't know what they're gonna. I don't really know what they're gonna do. It's it's gonna be tough. Damn it, Jay. Yeah, and they 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 did say, uh, or well, he has come out and said that uh, he's going to retire if they didn't bring him back. So that could be interesting yeah. going forward. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I I I get that. When, you know, if he, he you know wants to retire if they don't bring him back, because I don't know. I, I think he wants to start, and if he goes to another team, he will probably only be a backup. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, interesting situation there, um, Brandon Marshall a free agent and, and it doesn't sound like Martellus Bennett's going back to new England. So we could have a reunion there in Chicago. That would be interesting to see. Yeah, it would be definitely interesting, but I don't know if the bears want to deal with all that drama that those two brought to the team when they were on it. So, so Cole today, we're going to start the show talking a little hockey and, and not NHL hockey, not even college hockey. 
we're talking Minnesota high school hockey. And, and for those of you who know, this is the biggest high school hockey tournament in the country. Hundreds of thousands of people are watching from home. Tens of thousands are in attendance. I know at that state tournament this year, they broke it, the attendance records at the XL Energy Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. And, and this year in the Class A state championship game, we might have seen the greatest game ever played in high school hockey. And today, Cole, our guest played in that game. And he's our Blog Talk Radio guest of the week, Jesse Jocks. Let's talk about this year, Jesse, and let's talk about this year's state championship game. And but last year, you guys kind of ran through the competition. You know, you won every game by more than five goals. But this year, you guys trailed in some games, and in particular, the, the state championship game. You were down three to one. What was your mindset like at that point? You guys are down three to one, staring at the scoreboard. What were you guys thinking then? You know, we. We weren't exactly used to being down all year. We were usually the team ahead, but our mindset was pretty much so. In the game before, we came back three goals, so we thought, why why can't we do it again? So we all just got together, you know, screamed at each other, got each other going, you know, amp, amp each other up, and we just came out in battle because we knew we were the better team, but we just had to show it on the scoreboard. So we came out, got a couple more goals, brought into overtime, and the rest is history. Yeah, that's right. You guys end up tying it up at three, and, and you went into not one overtime, but two overtimes. And, and in that second overtime, your teammate Tyler Watkins scores. The celebration starts. You guys think you're the state champs, but then, you know, wait a minute. It's not a goal. It's goalie interference. So, so what's going through your mind at that point when they call the goal back, the game's not over, you thought it was, did you guys think at any point that maybe this game wasn't going to go your way? Well, you know, it sucked that we that it ended that or that they actually didn't make us the champions because we we're all just super tired, you know, the second overtime and our bodies can take so much more, but I mean it was it was absolutely crazy because we knew that we had to co go back and try to do it again and that was just that seemed super hard but we had to do it. <laughs> Cole, you got a few questions for him before we send him down the road here? Yeah, yeah, got a couple of them. All right, Jesse, uh, when you're playing out there on the ice, do you ever, uh, you know, get scared that maybe the ice will melt while you guys are playing? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> you can't be thinking that while you're playing because that's, that's too much going on. Have you ever, yep. um, you ever watched Mighty Ducks? Yeah, that was my, one of my favorite movies as, as a kid. I loved it. You ever use the knuckle puck move? You know, when I was on the outdoor rinks back in the day, I would, but it honestly really doesn't work if you try it. Huh. Hey, you, hear, you heard it here first. Those of you who didn't know didn't that, that the knuckle puck doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I would exclusively just use the knuckle puck. I feel like you'd score every time with that. I guess not. I you, ne you never know. You never know. That's how That's they make it I look have. on TV. 48 goals, 74 assists, 122 points in your high school career. Let's move, let's move on. We're going to some, some, some football stuff, yeah. Uh, this is kind of interesting. More Packer talk, but that's all right. Uh, Packers, new Packers defensive lineman, Ricky. And th this is going to be interesting for people to try to learn to pronounce, if you haven't pronounced it already, it's but French. I had to look it up. It's French. Ricky 
Jean Francois. Yep. Okay. Very nice. Ricky Jean Francois. Francois. He he he's a big man uh, as a defensive tackle. And not only is he a big man, he must have a big sweet tooth because he owns 25 Dunkin' Donut franchises, stores. Uh, He says, when the big money came in, I was like, I need a retirement plan right now. I need a retirement plan that can grow right now. So at the time, when I actually walk out of the NFL, I don't have to let the NFL be my identity. Teams can look at me and say, okay, he's a businessman. He's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing with his money. (laughs) He goes... (laughs) <laughs> he goes <laughs> He goes on to say, I'm going on year nine, and I have so many different investments and opportunities, so the day I walk out of the league, I won't have those second guesses. I won't be those guys you see on 30 for 30. I won't be those percentage of guys that go broke. I want to be the guy on top. When the league talks about this is what you do with your money, <laughs> they actually show a picture of me. Ricky Jean Francois signed. <laughs> he signed a one-year, two million-dollar contract with the, with the pack <laughs> with the Packers last week. So Ricky Jean Francois. It's Ricky Jean Francois. <laughs> like, dude, it's so hard to pronounce. <laughs> Shut up, Chris. Ricky. Okay, let me Jean-Francois. let me try this. Ricky. <laughs> Jean Francois. There we go. Jean Francois. Jean Francois. Yeah, it's actually Jean. Jean Francois. And Jean Francois. <laughs> he. Are we serious right now? Do you are you are you listening to this? I need a retirement plan that can grow. So at the time I walk out of the NFL, I don't have to let the NFL be my identity. So Ricky, your identity is being the donut man. 25 Dunkin' Donuts. Are we serious? Why is that dumb? That's smart to me. Uh, I'm not saying it's dumb. You're going to get money. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's dumb, but seriously, the way that, okay, he's a businessman. He's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing his money. Is is that like the top investment right now? Dunkin' Donuts? Is that like, I mean, is that what we're saying? Wow, this guy really knows how to invest his money. He's got 25 Dunkin' Donuts. Stores. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, when you say it like that, that does sound funny. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's that. Uh, I'm a businessman. I I know what I'm doing with my money. I'm going to buy 25 Dunkin' Donuts. Seriously? Now, th- here's that's a question I, I have for him. Does he have 25? <laughs> does he have 25? Did he go out and say, okay, I'm going to buy this one, this one, this one, this? One. Did he buy 25 at once, or is this something like he experimented with? got himself together with some executives from the Dunkin' Donut franchise, maybe did a little investigation, talked with this guy over here, this guy from Albuquerque, this guy from San Antonio, and then he talked to this guy in Washington. And, of course, I'm sure he's got one in Green Bay now. So uh, is he, like, you know, really, really getting into the analytics of the Dunkin' Donut world? So now he's like, okay, I I got 10, I got 15, I got 20. Now I got 25 Dunkin' Donuts. Well, he's going on year nine, like you said, and he's got so many different investments and opportunities. When he walks out of the league, he's not going to second guess. Not a chance. Yeah. And you're not you're not going to see Ricky Jin Jin Sanson 
Jean-Francois on 30 for 30. He said it himself. Well, my thing is, though, like, why, why are you bashing 30 for 30? 30 for 30 is great. Everyone loves those. Well, that's well. I think what he's saying here is he he's not going to be you know like that whole money uh, uh, documentary they did about all the guys that blow their money. He's not going to be one of them. Which that's just well, great. I'm not. That. I mean, I feel like we're 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 bashing the guy. We're. I'm just saying like. What do you mean we? It's you, you son of a bitch. I mean, I'm just saying like I. I feel like the way this has come out and like been brought out to the media. And the way he's portraying it is, look at me. I'm a great businessman. I own 25 Dunkin' Donuts. Like, dude, you're you're feeding the police around America. You're 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 like the number one guy. They want to see you, and they want to see your Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, and I'm not okay. That came out wrong too. I'm not bashing the police. I'm not. I'm not bashing anyone. I'm just saying 25 Dunk. Yeah, it's a common thing. Everybody knows that. 25 Dunkin' Donuts stores, and that makes you a good businessman. I mean, honestly. If you are a good businessman, you there's probably many other ventures that you could invest your money in, Ricky Jean-François, not just Dunkin' Donuts. And I, and he says, and I quote, I have so many different investments and opportunities. So, okay, maybe he's not just in Dunkin' Donuts, Cole. Maybe he owns 25 In-N-Out Burgers. Maybe he owns <laughs> 25 Burger Kings. Maybe he owns 25... Starbucks. Well, he probably won't own Starbucks because Dunkin' Donuts is kind of a competition of Starbucks with coffee. But I'm just saying, maybe he It would make owns. sense to own both then. That's true. I mean, that's kind of like a hedge. I mean, if one dies, the other one, he's yeah. got the other one to fall back on. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, this just seemed, this was just struck me as funny that he's, like, going on the record saying, I'm a businessman, and these teams know it. That's why they bring me in, because they know I won't blow the money they pay me, because I got 25 Dunkin' Donuts. All righty. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, I'm just like. When, when you say it like that, it just sounds so funny. I'm never going broke. I got 25 Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> that's that's the truth. Is that not? I mean, is that not what it? I mean, I'm I've read. Okay, this was on Fox Sports Radio. Um, I haven't listened to the actual interview, but from the way this is being portrayed, is he is like, I don't want to say bragging, but he is going on the record and he is saying I Ricky Jean Francois am a smart businessman cuz I own 25 Dunkin Donuts. Yeah. And can I, can I ah, Nope, I'm not going to say it because we could have a future endorsement from Dunkin Donuts and I'm not Dunkin Donuts. All right, 25 of them. No, I'm going to say it. I've never really gone into a Dunkin Donuts and gotten anything good. I don't know about you. I mean uh let- the doctor at work, uh, she brings in uh, Dunkin' Donuts every Friday. Yeah. It's my favorite day. They have good donuts. Okay, so you're on the Dunkin' Donut train. I'm not saying – I'm not – I, I, uh, I don't, don't like Krispy Kreme. Okay, so you're not a Krispy Kreme guy. Nope. Okay, so you're not a Krispy Kreme guy. Uh, you're a Dunkin' Donut guy. I, I'm, like, indifferent. I mean, I, the couple times – in the area where I'm from – we never really had Dunkin' Donuts. And just recently, yeah. a couple stores came in, and they built some Dunkin' Donuts, okay? And never had them before. Now, I will say my favorite donut is that Cinnamon Swirl Twist with the glaze on the outside, and it's like that twisted-up deal. And there's no – I'm not much of the jelly cream feeling type guy. 
I, I, I hear Ricky. Gross. I hear Ricky Jen Francois is a jelly cream donut guy. I'm not a jelly cream donut guy. I just I like to twist donut with the glaze on the top, and I like the good old fashioned cake chocolate donut. Not the full covered chocolate, half covered chocolate, smothered on the top, and that's what I like. But I don't frequent Dunkin' Donuts. I'm gonna give another try because this guy's a Packer. I'm gonna support the club. I'm gonna go find myself a Dunkin' Donut and buy 25 I donuts. I want a donut right now. 25 donuts for every one of the Dunkin' Donuts that Ricky Jean Francois owns across the nation. So there we go. I don't know. I, I just I just thought the way that it was being portrayed, Cole, was like, wow, this guy's like business savvy. This guy's like should be on for, in Forbes within like a week because he's got 25 <laughs> of these franchises. Like within a just, week. <laughs> it just struck me as a weird thing. Like, is it not? Is it not? Am I, am I like, it's just weird. Can we move on? Yeah, we're going to, we're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to talk about the green Bay Packers. And we're going to do that with our blog talk radio guest of the week who's brought to you by Gronk's Grill and Bar, your headquarters for everything Green Bay Packers. And our guest this week is Packers running back Don Jackson. How you doing, Don? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Doing good, doing good. Thanks for joining us. And, and Don, let's get right into this thing, and, and let's, let's start it off by talking about your beginnings in the NFL. I mean, you were, you were overlooked in the 2016 NFL draft. You weren't invited to the NFL Combine, but you ran a 4-5-40 at your pro day, and the Green Bay Packers saw enough of you to bring you in and give you a chance. So, so Don, just tell us a little bit about the process and then how you ended up in Green Bay. Um, I mean, I already knew going into the process that, you know, I was going to be a guy. I mean, I went to a mid-major university, the University of Nevada. <laughs> university of Nevada, Reno, not that school down south. Um yeah, I already knew kind of what I was up against. I already knew, you know, what the you know what the naysayers were saying, all the critics. So, um, I just wanted to just put myself in a position where I could show scouts that I can I can do more than what they thought. And I think at my pro day, and you know, I took advantage of you know my training opportunity down at Next Level in uh in uh in Wisconsin with uh Brad Arnett, Matt Gifford. Those guys were great down there, and my guy Lim down here in Sacramento at GameFit certified. I took advantage of that and um, got to pro day and was able to let it loose. And um, the rest is history, I guess. In South Sacramento, California. And, and quite honestly, yes, a, lot of, a lot of young men who grow up in South Sacramento don't get the opportunities to succeed in life. And, and, and some of those who do get the opportunities don't really know what to do with it. So, so quite honestly, your success story and a real inspiration for young men all across the country who are growing up in similar situations. So say a 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid walked up to you and asked you what the most important thing they should do to reach their dreams. What what would you tell them, Don? Um, I think it's just – I think what, what was vital to me was having mentors. Um, I had, you know, my, my high school football coach and that whole staff, and and I had, you know, I had a lot, a lot of people in my corner that, you know, the times when I tried my best to derail from, you know, the path that, you know, was leading to success. I tried my best to kind of get off of it. You know, those guys kept me straight, and I want to kind of be that outlet for guys. Like, I'm happy that I'm in the position that I am now, 
There's a lot more kids in Sacramento. I mean, especially my region, they all know it's possible. And I'm not the only one, Terrence Mitchell, Shaq Thompson, James Sample. I mean, there's a, guy, there's a bunch of guys that we all kind of, you know, hold it on to. I mean, you know, make sure that, you know, we set the standard for these kids so now that we see more kids, you know, striving to get, you know, get good grades in school to go do it the easy way because I definitely did it the hard way. Now a lot of young kids want to, you know, they're doing all this seven-on-seven tournaments and, you know, I'm, I'm just seeing I'm seeing growth in the community when it comes to these to sports and schools. So it's been great. I just I just think it's good that kids focus on, you know, getting a mentor and really just staying the course of, you know, you know, really listening to those people and appreciating the things that they give to them and and just stay like I said, just stay the course. I mean, that's most important. I read a story, Don, about a teacher that you had or a teacher in your school that, that told a girlfriend of yours that she shouldn't hang around with you because uh, the quote I read was, you'd be dead or in jail by the time you were 17. You, you proved that teacher yeah, wrong true. because you made it to the University of Nevada. And, and I read that you contacted that teacher and let him know that he was wrong about you. What, what was that moment like for you? And was hearing those words back then, how, was that just a big part of your motivation to succeed? A big part of my motivation. And when I, you know, I, I was sitting in, in my room with my roommate Brian Lane. He was one of my teammates in college. Um, I'm sitting in my room, and I happened to be on Facebook, and I had seen him. Uh, I had seen the teacher that had said what he had said, and then it was kind of, it was just, it was just a spark of the moment idea. He was like, "Yo," I'm like, "Yo," I think I should message this dude, like let him know how I'm doing. <laughs> my cousin was like, "Yeah, bro, do it." So I hit him up, like, yeah, I just wanted to let you know, you know, I want to first of all apologize for being, you know, one of those knucklehead kids that, you know, I disrespected authority and, you know, I just, you know, I kind of just went on just kind of asking for basically just apologizing for everything I had done in the past. And I have reminded him that he had said what he had said and I just let him know, like, something, something in that message clicked. And now I'm, I'm getting ready to go to the university. I just got to the University of Nevada. I got my AA degree, and I ended up graduating high school. And, hey, I'm not dead. I'm not in jail. And I told him, like, I want to thank you for the motivation. And instead of, you know, some, you know, bitter response, he was like, and that's the beauty of this whole thing, Don. Like, it's the beauty of this whole thing. Like, um, you know, at the moment it might not have been the best thing to have said, but it was motivation to you. And, um and I'm great. I'm grateful that he, that that whole thing had happened anyway. You know, back when I was a young kid, that me hearing that and hearing those words, I'm happy all that stuff happened because that was a motivation of mine. I didn't want to be dead. I didn't want to be in jail. So um, I decided to buckle down, man, and I did use that as motivation along the way. All right, Cole. Cole, you've got a few questions for Don before we send him on his way. I know he's got a busy schedule, and we thank him for taking the time out of his day to join us. So, so Cole, what do, what kind of oh, questions dude. do you have for Don? Yeah, Don. Cole here. Nice talking to you. What's going on, Cole? Uh, I've got a, a few hard-hidden questions here for you, so I hope you're ready. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready. What's your favorite movie genre, and then what's your favorite movie from that genre? My favorite movie genre. Okay, I'm just throw it out there. My favorite, just here, I'm a big Harry Potter fan. I'm talking since okay. I was a little kid. Like, really, really big Harry Potter fan. I'm talking Sorcerer's Stone, Chamber of Secrets. 
prisoner that man, God of fire, or anything like that. <laughs> I'm talking about literally I have Gryffindor shirts and Slytherin shirts around my house. Big Harry Potter fan, and there's nothing that would top it, guaranteed. Nice. <laughs> Good movies. <laughs> All right. Uh, what are what's some music that you've been listening to lately? What's in your iPod, or if they even have iPods anymore? What's on your phone? Um, on my phone, I mean, I listen. I mean, I'm more of a lyrical guy. Um, I'm all about substance, R&B, hip hop, um, old school, you know, '90s hip hop, uh, '90s rap. I'm like, I'm big on that. J Cole is my favorite artist. Um, I support a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of local artists here in Sacramento. Um, a couple of my friends rap. I listen to my boy Eric D all the time. Um, a guy named Mozzie out of Sacramento. Kendrick Lamar out of L.A. Like, it's just, I, I, I love lyrical music, you know, music that I can, you know, I can uh, home into heart. You know, it's real close to home. So, uh, definitely J. Cole, Kendrick, um, Isaiah Rashad. I like it all, to be honest. I don't really discriminate in music. I try to listen to everything. Because if you listen to everything, I think you, you put ver- you put a bunch of different stuff in your head and it makes you a little versatile. I got you. Uh well, coach's favorite uh, hip hop artist. I'm pretty sure is J Cole. Is that right, coach? Oh yeah, yeah. I got. I'm yeah. always listening to J Cole. Yeah. There yeah. You go. Uh, so you're a Packer now, obviously. What is your favorite cheese? My favorite cheese. <laughs> oh man, um, uh, my favorite cheese. I wish I can. Um... Oh, that's tough. You were right. That's tough. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like Well I just really love cheese curds I mean I never had a cheese curd until I got to Wisconsin Yeah And I just kind of fell in love with them out of nowhere it's They're so good ridiculous. And They're really good yeah. That's what I'm saying It's kind of ridiculous how much I, I fell in love with them um, I don't discriminate with cheese though I really don't March Madness is going on yes. I forget what seed they were but how far did you have Nevada going in the tourney? I had Nevada going all the way, sir. Like, there we go. There we go. It was the first time we were in the tournament in over a decade, man. I, there was no way I could I could bet against my guys. <laughs> I think Cam Oliver is definitely a, the NFL. I mean, NBA caliber player. Marcus Marshall was like one of the best three point shooters in the country. Uh, DJ Fenner was one of the leading scorers. Like I. I really, really love that team. Like Jordan Carolina, they're all they were all dope, man. And Eric Musselman did like wonders with that with that team over there. And I'm happy he actually stayed too for another year. And talk about what's on everyone's minds here, and that's the start of the NBA playoffs. And it wouldn't be right if we didn't have our Blog Talk Radio guest of the week, Sean Kane, with us to do so. So. Let, let's talk a little bit about the MVP situation this season. I mean, you, you've got Russell Westbrook breaking Oscar Robinson's record for, for triple doubles in a season. You've got James Harden going for 29 points a game, eight rebounds a game, leading the league in assists. He had six of his own 40-plus point triple doubles this season. Just an amazing season. And of course, the Rockets are the three seed in the West. Then you've got Kawhi Leonard, the best two-way player in the game. LeBron is still being LeBron, and in, in fact, he's shooting the best he's ever has. And, and let's not forget Isaiah Thomas, who's had an, a remarkable year getting the Celtics to the number one seed in the East. So, so Sean, let's start off with you. 
if you had to make a pick for NBA MVP right now, uh, who would you pick? Oh, man, I feel like I've been debating this for the better part of a month. Um, and obviously, it's, it's got to be, I mean, it's, it's Hardner Russ. There's no question in my mind. And Russ's historic season is hard to ignore. But at the same time, the Rockets are a real threat in the playoffs. I don't think we anyone really thinks that the, the Thunder have much more than a first-rounder in them. You know, I think it comes down to, honestly, what you consider the criteria for the most valuable player. Now, if you're talking about the most valuable asset to his individual team and the most excellent individual performer in the NBA, that's Russell Westbrook. But if you're talking about wins and win shares and you're talking about advanced metrics and impact rating and things like that, then I think you have to go with James Harden. I honestly wouldn't have a problem with either. I don't love the cop-out vote for both. But if yeah. I think my, my, my heart my heart tells me, Russ, just because it's such an extraordinary story, uh, and I think that, you know, it's almost like we would be – here's the best comparison I have. Ready? It's Barry Bonds not going to the Hall of Fame. If we don't give Russ <laughs> the MVP this year, you're the same guy who doesn't give Bonds a Hall of Fame vote. I mean, yeah, there's flaws in his game, and yeah, there's a lot of reasons to love James Harden, but good gracious, that's insanity. 42 triple doubles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't. I, that's a great comparison, the Barry Bonds thing. That's a great way to put it. Cole, I, you came out with an article on Forward Mile about a month or two ago, and, and you were saying that LeBron should win the NBA MVP. The Cavs have kind of, you know, faltered later part of the season here. And I know you've kind of changed your mind. So uh, what's your take on this whole MVP thing? Yeah. Uh, so my first article on MVP talk was I, I picked LeBron. And then my second one, I, what was it, like two weeks ago I wrote it, a week ago or something, I, I put Russ in. Um, and same with, with Sean. Like as far as like it just depends on what your criteria is. Like whatever you think it should be, if it, if it's the best player in the in the sport, then LeBron gets it. You know, ten years in a row. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, so true. So Kawhi true. Leonard, uh, I was reading a stat today. I was looking at it, and Kawhi Leonard has played three hundred minutes less than the next closest person out of those four. So while that looks cool, that like, hey, he's doing all this cool stuff in three hundred minutes or 300 less minutes, his team obviously is seems to be the better team because these other guys, like you take LeBron out, and even with Kyrie and Kevin Love still there, they, I think they play like a 35-win team or something like that. Their stats look like a 35-win team. So he's obviously really valuable to his team. But I got to go with my, my boy, Russell Westbrook. I just – and to go along yeah. with the Barry Bonds comment, like – you ten years from now, you look back on this historic MVP race that I don't think we've seen in a long ass time. And if we don't have Russ win the MVP, like you're gonna look at that and like how how did you, who picked this? Like how did you not pick Russ? It's gonna look stupid. Yeah, yeah I, I I'm right. with you guys. I I think it's 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 this year is 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 one of those years where if if James Harden isn't doing what he's doing, um, you know, and, and I, I think it's, it's a clear cut Russell Westbrook thing, but I think the fact that 
that that Russ, uh, excuse me, that James Harden is is doing what he's doing, and his team has won more games and they have a higher seed. I think that that's where the conversation comes into play. Is is like you guys said, what 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 do you weigh? Which criteria do you weigh more heavily? Is it is it individual performance or is it you know team performance as a whole based upon what that player's done for that team? And I think there's a fine line where you have to draw the line and say, okay. You know, without this player, player X on on team team A, then they're not going to be where they are. If this player, you know, and then you can play the whole devil's advocate. Well, you take this player off this team and put him over here. He's going to do this. I, I think you got to throw all that out the window and just look at it for what it is. An amazing season, a record breaking season for Russell Westbrook, and I think we got to give him the award. Yeah, and, I agree and another with that. thing too with. With, with his triple-doubles, like, he's still leading the league in points. It's not like he's getting, like, 20 points a game and still doing this up. Like, he's putting up 31 points a game. Like, yeah. this isn't Jason Kidd or Rajon Rondo <laughs> triple-doubles. Like, these are big boy triple-doubles. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, come back, I come back to the criteria of – and a lot of times it depends on the year, and it's funny. You hear the conversation pivot all every year, but it, the criteria that I continue to come back to is – is often the player who's most individually valuable to his team. And I think that the Thunder, I don't even know if they're a playoff team without Russell Westbrook or a comparable point guard. And, you know, in my mind, that, that makes him an MVP, you know, an MVP leader. What I wanted to talk to you a little bit here about Ryan was, was this, this whole uh, Dennis Weidman situation. We, we touched on it here a little bit on the show just recently, $10.25 million lawsuit against the Flames defensiveman. What's the latest you've heard in this saga? And what do you think it's going to affect Weidman's future in the NHL? Because he's a free agent after this season. So what do you, what, what's the latest you've heard here? Well, I finally, uh, the, the gentleman at the, the local uh, CTV station who broke the story was gracious enough to send me uh, a copy of the filing. So I've had a chance to look at it. Uh, it's pretty boilerplate. Uh, essentially, uh, the argument uh, that uh, they're using is that uh, the Mr. Wyman should not have uh, been uh, so reckless with his uh, his physicality in the game as to bash the heck out of a an official. Uh, so it, it's essentially arguing you know lost loss of, uh, of future earnings and uh, you know punitive damages. The majority of the of the money they're asking for, as you guys have detailed, is the the loss of future earnings. Uh, the linesman in question is only uh, 49, 50 years old, but he's been a, a linesman since uh, since the 90s. So he's you know he's pretty pretty experienced. So he's going to be most likely pretty high on the linesman pay scale. So he's probably making you know if not you know the maximum like 225, 230 a year, probably at least over 200,000. Um, it's unlikely given you know the the recent trend in the NHL this year, and we've seen it uh, you know coincidentally with uh, some of the quality of the the referee calls and the the, uh, the the goals being called back or not being called back this year is uh, a lot of older officials, guys in their 50s and 60s, have retired over the last two three years. So uh, what we're seeing this year is a lot of linesmen and referees who are you know in their first, second, or third year of uh, officiating the NHL. And uh, as much as I respect all these gentlemen, it's a tough job. Sometimes it comes across that way. Uh, so in ter- in terms of uh, you know Mr. Henderson's claims that. Hey, you know, lots lost future earnings. I don't know if he'd be, you know, officiating in the NHL until he's 65. So 
there's probably going to be some some rebuttals from the Flames and uh, from uh, uh, from Wybin when they file their sta- their statement of defense uh, in a month. Uh, they have up to a month to f- essentially file a statement of defense, sort of responding to the claims that uh, the statement of claim made. So it's going to be very interesting what happens. The the uh, the, inter- the important thing to note is that uh, under Canadian law, uh, Canadian uh, negligence law, anything that uh, an employee does while working for you. Uh, you're legally responsible for. So uh, the Flames are primarily named in the in this claim because that Wybin was uh, employed by them and working at the time, not you know due to any specific instances of you know them creating any kind of hostile environment for uh, for Henderson. So uh, I think those are the, those are the, the most important bits. But uh, it'll I think this thing, the next development we'll see is in about a month when the when uh, Wybin side files their claim. Um, there's a concussion lawsuit going on in the NHL right now, much like just happened in the NFL. Um, I think it's safe to say that things aren't going well based on the emails that we've all seen leak out from, uh, from the NHL side. So I think in this case, I think, uh, everyone involved, especially if you're, you know, an NHL team and you have a feeling that you're going to have to pay out some money because, you know, I think anyone who's seen the the clip of Wybin uh, hitting the guy on ESPN or CBC or pretty much every single uh, place it's played in the last couple of months and will probably keep playing as long as this thing stays active, um, it's pretty indefensible. It looks violent. It looks reckless. Uh, it scares the heck out of me. And you know I've seen it enough times that I think I can pretty much you know walk you through it clip by clip at this point. So right. it's going to be very interesting what happens there because I I think. From an, from an NHL standpoint, I think there's a very big appetite to keep this out of an open courtroom and sort of figure out a settlement as soon as they figure out everyone's appetite and ability to do that. Sports-related. They should be sports-related, but they're not always sports-related. So without further ado, question number one, Cole. Safeco Field in Seattle is now offering grasshoppers as a ballpark treat. In fact, they love them so much up there in Seattle, they sold out on them on opening day. Would you chow down on the Mariners' bizarre snack? Uh, with alcohol, for sure. <laughs> a little alcohol would help you, huh? Yeah, I'll eat anything. I'll eat anything if I have booze in me. All right. I, I would not touch that. Not a chance. I'm not a bug eater. No way, Jose. Um, I've seen some <laughs> pictures of how they serve them, and oh, my God, not a chance. Not a chance. Number oh. two. Who's funnier, Kevin Hart or Will Ferrell? Will Ferrell for me. Um, okay. To me, like, I I like Kevin Hart, but I feel like he's the same exact character in every movie, and I, I don't know. Like, he's still funny, but, yeah. yeah I get what you're saying. I mean... I mean, I think that kind of happens with some of these comedians that turn yeah. into actors. They they have to play sort of that same role because that's their style of comedy. But I get what you're saying. I mean, once you've seen one Kevin Hart movie, you've seen them all. I mean, yep. pretty much. So, and, and, and it's, what's funny about this is I, I just watched a, another stand-up of Kevin Hart. And I'm going to tell you right now, when he, his first few major stand-up videos that came out, um, deep video, DVDs, whatever, release, they were hilarious. I mean, I laughed from start to finish. But his recent stuff, and this happens a lot of times with these comedians, 
his recent stuff isn't as funny to me. And and I'm not saying he's not funny and he's not great, but that's just my opinion. All right, Cole. Question number one, May 12th, Coach and Cole Show, Blog Talk Radio. Number one, Cole, is will James Harden ever win the NBA championship? No. No. Nope. Sorry, kid. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Number two, which vacation destination would you rather visit? Puerto Rico or Amsterdam? Puerto Rico. Amsterdam, I'm pretty sure. Uh, well, what's the season? Well, whatever. I mean, it's vacation destination. So, I mean, let's say it's the summer. I don't really like hot weather. I mean, I like warm oh, weather. Okay. Uh, let's not do this. Let's say the <laughs> target season for each destination, whether it be Puerto Rico or Amsterdam, I would just want to know where you'd rather go to vacation. All right. All right. All right. Uh, Puerto Rico in the winter. Still okay. There. Okay. All right. That's a, probably a good answer, being on live broadcast radio to not say Amsterdam. Good Good job. All right. We're here with James Holis from bballbreakdown.com. Um, like the East teams, like besides Al Horford, when is the last time an all-star caliber free agent went to the East? Like our – are players like afraid to go to the East because they know they'll have to play Braun and like they'll have to get by LeBron. Like and they're probably not gonna. Cause I think Boston's in a great spot because they have Brooklyn tanking for them and still having the number one seed. But if they can grab somebody else in this off season, like, is that still enough? I mean, like as far as Gordon Hayward, that's a big name in, in Boston. Is that enough to get by Cleveland? I don't, I don't know. Obviously, it depends well, no, on what other moves they make. But let me jump in real quick. You do know. Okay. You do know. I mean, I, I, I and I'm as a Celtics <laughs> fan, I'm a terrible fan because we just saw LeBron James all season. He was great statistically, and the team just kind of was in a in a in a funk. LeBron James went up another level, and so does his team. And there's nothing any team in the East can do. And that's why I love Gordon Hayward. And I wouldn't. I say this: if he signs with Boston, I don't want them to keep Isaiah Thomas. Because you got, gotcha. I think they're both they're both better suited as as like second tier as your, as your second option kind of guy, and that's a good team. It's a really good team, right? And so even look, I'm just being a hypocrite right now because that's you're just making a really good team, but you're in the age of LeBron, so it almost like doesn't matter. So I'm I'm, I'm almost gonna I'm gonna correct myself and say I, I wouldn't be upset if we signed Gordon Hayward and kept Isaiah Thomas. I just know I just have to know in my head that's not beating LeBron James. That's not beating Golden State. You know what I'm yep. saying? So it's tough. It's tough to kind of shift your, your your thinking, but it is what it is. Does LeBron surpass MJ in his career? I mean, at some point, are are is everyone going to collectively look back on time and say LeBron James was better than Michael Jordan? It's never going to be collective because Michael Jordan does have a strong cult. I, I was part of that cult until very recently, and I'm watching LeBron James in these playoffs, and I, I just see him grab that ball in the wing, and you know. Um, Serge Ibaka's right in front of him, like two feet in front with his hand out. And LeBron just looks at him and, and spins that ball and pops that three. <laughs> in his and I'm just watching LeBron James. And I think that's like, it, it's almost like I had a moment, um, like the Matrix, when he realized everything he knew was a lie. 
because I always thought to myself, MJ's MJ, point blank period. No one's ever going to come close in a story. You guys you know Kobe, yeah, whatever. No, LeBron, no, no, whatever. He, you know, 2011 series, whatever. I'm watching this guy. He's at the height of his powers. He's he's already played more years and more minutes than Michael ever has, and he's playing the best ball of his career. If he does this for another couple of years, which he will, I don't care if he wins the championship because he's in the age of Golden State. That's not his fault. He definitely is knocking at the door of surpassing Michael Jordan, especially if he gets a couple more rings and you know before his career is over with. People will have a legit argument to say, you know, best player in the game ever played is, is LeBron James. And I, 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 the fact I'm even saying that says a lot about how good he is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think right now you can you can say, and I, and I don't know how anybody can argue this, I think you say you can say right now LeBron James was the greatest athlete ever to play in the NBA. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue. Size of Carl Malone, run like Scottie Pippen. Uh, right. You no, know, probably you no. Know, yeah, he's 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 a freak like I think we've probably never seen it in sports altogether. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Looking ahead to next year now, jumping ahead a little bit, who's a guy who's who's not really a household name that next year could become one? Um, he, he's already pretty popular. He's already made an All Star team. I think. Yeah, he already made it, but uh. Okay, so I know Chris Paul is considered the consummate point guard. People are talking about Lonzo Ball and his passing, his vision. I'm going to tell you that's a bunch of that's a bunch of horse crap because this is the modern NBA. We just watched the Jazz find open shots left and right with no dominant point guard against the same Chris Paul who's supposed to be the you know the greatest leader and the greatest point guard. I think that uh, with the addition of Nurkic, we're going to talk about Dame Dame uh, Dame Lillard. Uh, Dame Lillard completely differently next season than we talked about him this season. I think we're going to see him, you know, he had a year this year. I think he averaged 27, like 27, five and six, which if you look at the players who have done that in their, in their careers, uh, we're talking upper echelon hall of fame type players. I think in the modern NBA, you need, if your point guard, your best player, he needs to be a, a, a dominant kind of scorer. And Dame is that guy. I think that adding Nurkic, Portland is going to, Shuttle is going to like rocket up to like the top four or five seed. They're going to look a lot more dangerous. When they added Nurkic, they were uh, I think they they were fourth in offense and like tenth in defense, which is excellent. You know, at, after the All Star break, I think we're going to start talking about Dame as one of the top you know ten players in the league next season. Wow, interesting. I, I wasn't expecting you to say that name. I, I didn't see that coming, but I can I can see that. I mean, I I get your point. I could definitely see. I think Nurk was a real good pickup for them. I think, you know, we, Cole and I talked about on, on the show when that happened. And, and I think that's a real good pickup for him. Uh, you know, I don't know what, as far as their salary cap situation goes and, and if any other pieces they need to bring in there to really get them, you know, over that next time, get them up to a four or five seed, like you mentioned, but, but Dame Lillard. All right. Uh, Cole, what are you, what are your thoughts on that at all? I like that. Uh, for my guy, it's a kind of a popular answer as far as basketball people, but uh, Nikola Jokic uh, from Denver, I think he's going to be really big next year. Um, I think he'd definitely average over 20 points. And what did he average, like nine rebounds and like four and a half assists, something like that. So I think that they should have – I mean, they they were in that eighth spot for the longest time. And then that trade actually, which is kind of hilarious how that trade that they traded away – Nurkic, and then that's the guy that kind of took their spot. I think that uh, next year 
I think with the emergence of Jamal uh, Murray, it'll just help out a lot with their offense. And I, I think that their team will be better, which will make him look better. I think I think that's the guy that will be on the highlights or whatever you want to say for next year. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Uh, uh, James, where do you see some of these big free free agents landing next year? Uh, uh, Paul George. I need Blake Griffin. I need to hear your answer. I need to hear your answer. Who's who's yeah? Who's going to be your breakout player next year? Well, I like both of your answers. I like Dame. I I like. I like Jokic. If I if I was gonna say one, I probably would have said Jokic. He already he already said Jokic. Um, you know, uh, I mean, ABC comes to mind, but he's already he's already kind of right there. I mean, I, I think he takes another step. I like Antetokounmpo's game all around. I mean, I think he's he's revolutionary. The the fact that all the things that he can do uh, on the floor at his size. He I, I was talking with with Cole a few weeks ago and. He reminds me of a better version of Lamar Odom, somebody that can do everything on the floor, a young Lamar Odom, somebody that can do everything on the floor, uh, whatever you ask of them. And, and But I think he's even better than Lamar Odom ever was, and, and I think he's going to take another step here. For sure. That's a good one, too. There's a couple of things in life. Like, I can imagine stepping in a pile of dog poop barefoot. It's probably horrible. Um, getting in a car accident and getting, like, a metal rod through your head a la uh, Final Destination, that's probably terrible. Seinfeld's right up there. It's one of the worst shows on TV. <laughs> yeah, that and Friends are just two of the I, – I, I just – I'll say this. The fact that America loves Seinfeld and Friends as much as it does, that was a, should be an indicator. That's how Trump won because we allow <laughs> – we allow idiotic things to, like, nestle into our life and become part of the American fabric. And we embrace this ridiculous, idiotic things like Friends and Seinfeld. All right, we're here with Jessica Abel of Zodiac Hockey. And, and Jessica, I've got to be honest with you. I've never really thought about astrology as it relates to sports. But you say there's more to team chemistry than stats and salary. And, and you say that astrology has to do with that. So could you tell us a little bit about what the basis of what you do is at Zodiac Hockey? Sure. Yeah. So essentially, you know, I was a lot like you for a long time. I didn't really associate astrology with much. I've been in the astrology sector for many years and we've always used it to look at different aspects of society, but very often you're not layering it too much over sports. And it wasn't, you know, because I was always in that world, I would, I'm a huge hockey fan. I'd be watching hockey with my friends and I'd be like, oh, stats, and this is happening, and that's happening, this guy's doing this and that, he should be performing. And I would just be watching it going, well, the obvious is, you know, he's a Scorpio, and it's a full moon, and that's why this is happening. And all of a sudden, people were just like, oh, my gosh, Jessica, are you serious? And they're they're just chiming in and grilling me, and I'm I'm starting to see, have this aha moment where I'm like, wow, this really does layer over top of this in terms of, you know, the temperament component of sports. There is obviously a statistical component there's you know salary caps are important I mean that's all part of the game but this is another layer I don't see it as you know replacing it or you know better than it's really sort of on top of the whole puzzle of sort of figuring out how a team operates and why they perform a certain way Um, I often say that astrology was the first science you know before we had big data we had the planet big data we'd look up at the sky and we'd see the planets and that was all we really had 
from a science standpoint to sort of track patterns and we would watch the planets move and we would take notation of, you know, behavioral influences. So it was a behavioral science that for many, many years had extreme, you know, credibility within the medical and the, you know, the political sphere. I mean, huge decisions were made based off of what we consider to be meaningful data sets. And the same thing's happening now with large data. Uh, people are looking at athletes and expecting them to perform based off of, you know, what you might perform a widget machine to produce a certain amount of widgets. And we're all kind of befuddled why we're not able to perform. So you know, it's just another layer of science, I guess you could say, but it is, it is a food. Hello, everyone. I'm here. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jessica, You're still alive. Yeah, I am alive. Um, if they played a, a hockey game on the moon, what would happen? What do you think would happen with all those signs? Would they get all screwy? That would just really screw everything up. Astrology kind of is, is like Earth-centric, you know, so to move it to the moon would just throw everything off. But Maybe it would just be an inverse of what it is. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. That'd be crazy. Um, so I'm a Taurus, uh, and I'm single. Do you think I'll ever find love? Um. <laughs> If possible, Tauruses are such lovers. They're highly sensory people, you know. They're just, yeah. they love to be, love. Actually, Tauruses make incredibly good hockey players. They're one of the huh. well, better Cole, you missed players. out, you missed out on late. your calling, Cole. I did not. Yeah. I still have time. There's always time. That's, that's right. Yeah. There's yeah, always time. Tauruses get a bad rep for being pretty stubborn because they're the bull. But really, in fact, they're... One of the nicest, they're sort of the gentle bull of the Zodiac. Um, they really are, again, highly sensory. That's what makes them pretty good athletes, and particularly in hockey, because they use all their senses. They're kind of described as having eyes on the back of their head because they can yep. use sight, sound, and touch, and smell. And <laughs> that's just how they get off is just, you know, being stimulated in, in all their senses. So they need that. And hockey is a highly sensory sport. There's the sound of the ice, there's the speed, there's the, you know, everything that's happening so quickly and so real time. So Tauruses tend to do really well, like the Jonathan Hayes and, you know, Ryan Getzlaff, all these guys are pretty incredible. Uh, but also in love, it's the same exact thing. They need to be really stimulated all the time. So Wine and dine a Taurus, and you, you, if you find someone who will feed you and keep you happy with nice things, you, you'll probably just be jolly old good. I need a I, sure I, mama is what I need, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I got I to gotta stop you right there because you're going to fill his head so so big, I'm never going to hear the end of it. You're, you're saying he's, gonna, he's the greatest yep. athlete. And, oh, man. She's right, though, because you, you see me play basketball. I use, I, I'll smell a, a three-pointer before I shoot it. Worst shows in history. Thanks for having me on, guys. Everybody remember, uh, Chris Paul is not as good as everybody says he is. Really, really, really special show today. I mean, we really do. Because not only are we live on Blog Talk Radio on this glorious Saturday, we're, we're pushing towards the summer months. Not only that, Cole, it's, it's your birthday today. Yep. Uh, it's my 18th birthday. I can legally buy porn i'm really excited <laughs> it's, it's, it's his 18th birthday folks and you know <laughs> it, you know 
I got. I just want to say happy birthday the right way on the show, Cole. So this is for you, buddy. Thank you. pretty good yeah. show isn't it what did you think of that segment in earlier in earlier in the, in the show it was pretty good yeah oh yeah that one that one segment and then the one a couple after that i was like oh yeah i had, I had forgotten about that that was pretty good yeah i mean they just like to run together and then that one interview that was in the in the beginning and then the second interview after that you know it was like it was back to stuff. back good interviews yeah that was great stuff Well, hey, good stuff. <laughs> that's that's been the best of the Coach and Cole show. First thirty episodes. We're looking forward to giving you another thirty episodes, if uh, and then, all goes well. And then thirty more times ten. So that would so, give you three hundred. Yep. Three hundred thirty more episodes. Three hundred thirty more episodes. That's what we're going to try to give you. Here on Blog Talk Radio. Of course, you could be listening to us on iTunes or on TuneIn right now. Mm-hmm. Most likely, this is going to get released right to iTunes. But, you know, you know where to find us. iTunes, TuneIn. However, however you want to listen to it, just listen to yeah. it. And tell your friends. And then have them tell Absolutely. their friends. Pay it forward. Like the movie. That is That is a... That's you know wow I haven't thought about that movie for a while but that that's a classic I mean that is a really really good movie I think about that movie every day I think about the scene when uh, Haley Joel Osment gets stabbed in the school and it, I cry <sighs> man I forgot about how that ended now now um, you're bringing it back it's been such a long time yeah 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 that's that is a really good movie that's that's Wow, way to way to down this whole thing here. I mean, but what a great episode! Conf- what a best of episode! What that was best so of. good. Everything was good. Pay it forward is a good is a good thing though. So that's yeah. But yeah, hey, thirtieth, thirty more, three hundred and thirty more. Yep. Hopefully we can yeah, yeah. Share this thing. Listen to it. Hope you liked it. Well, you already did listen to it. What am I? What are we saying? Listen to it. They already listened to it. Listen to it again. Episode. This is the. There you go. Go. If you're on iTunes, hit that little like back 15 second button. Hit that like 30,000 times until you get back to the beginning. Yeah. And then let her rip. Let her rip. Let her rip. All right. That's that's really not a saying that you you don't use those sayings. 
Nobody let does. her rip. Give her, give her, give her. You ever use that one? <laughs> what are we even talking about anymore? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm waiting for the guy to start playing our music to get the go home. There it is. This this is gonna get edited out, right? Cause... <laughs> Probably not. All right. What for? Here it comes. Nah. Hey. Yeah. This has been another episode of the Coaching Cole Show. Hope you enjoyed it. Catch us every week on Blog Talk Radio. This has been the coach. And this has been Kevin Durant. Who? Kevin Durant, the basketball player. <laughs>